Welcome to the podcast today, everybody. I'm here in studio with Dr. David Reagan, and we're going to be discussing uh, what I think is what is on a lot of people's mind, and that is America in Bible prophecy. But in order to do that, we we really want to start at the beginning, uh, which we will in a moment. I want to remind everybody about our upcoming uh, prophecy conference in Norman, Oklahoma, October 5th. You can get some information on that at watchersweekend.com. Uh, check us out. Uh, 24 speakers. It's going to be a great time. It's always wonderful to hang out with people who are like-minded, as, as we know that a lot of the church that we see today uh, doesn't talk about prophecy. I get emails from people constantly saying, well, my church here or there, I've tried to talk to them, I've tried to start a Bible study, and, and nobody uh, nobody's interested. So nevertheless, uh, we're going to still do our best, but uh, Dr. Reagan, welcome. <laughs> Well, thank you. It's good to be here, Mondo. Now, and you wrote a book, which uh, to me, uh, we've done some programs on this, but it's worth bringing back up called America's Suicide. And I want to kind of, you did five chapters there, America's Blessing, America's Rebellion, America's Warning, America's Biblical Type, and America's Destiny. But as always, I, I always like to ask, what led you to write this book? It goes back to uh, 1991 when the Soviet Union fell. I went over there immediately, and when I arrived in Moscow, I could not believe my eyes because I went into the major department stores. They were empty. They had no clothing. They had no food. They had nothing, just nothing. And tens of thousands of Russians were standing in the streets of Moscow on the sidewalks there with um, card tables, and they were bartering. They're bartering food for clothes, clothes for food. This sort of, There's a border economy overnight. And this was the most powerful nation in the world with over, at that time, over 6,000 nuclear weapons and yet brought down to nothing overnight by God. And as I stood there and looked at that, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, go back and preach to America. I said, the America I've blessed more than any other nation in the world and they are turning against me. And I want you to tell them what, what I can do to a nation overnight. And so I got that message very strongly and i went back and started preaching it people didn't want to hear it yeah they didn't want to hear it negative message <laughs> <laughs> it's like a prophet fact, of old right in fact i'll tell you how, yep. how uh in 1999 i wrote a book entitled living for christ in the end times and the subtitle of it was coping with uh apostasy and uh with uh violence uh so i uh submitted to the publisher and he said well i can't publish a book with that title that's too negative he said uh, we're not anywhere near apostasy in the church and, and violence in our society no i said it's coming i'm telling you it's coming he said well i, can't, I just can't do that so he refused to print that subtitle so 15 years later in 2015 i jerked the uh, copyright from him we published it ourselves and we put that in there that the, we were going to be coping with apostasy uh, and with anarchy and uh People then, even then, said 2015, oh, come on, it's not that bad. Well, I think everybody <laughs> realizes today we're coping with apostasy if they know what's going on in yep. the church. And if you look on TV every night, we're dealing with anarchy. I mean, absolute yeah. anarchy. And uh, this is what has happened to uh, God uh, does this to nations that he has greatly blessed, and they rebel against him and refuse to repent. And we have rebelled, and we have refused to repent. It's like we're shaking our fist yep. at God, and uh, He's dealing with us. And the way He deals with that always is He sends prophetic voices, 
and then he sends remedial judgments to call us to repentance. And he's done both. Yeah. I mean, you look at the book of Judges, you know, they everybody did, did what was right oh. in their own eyes. He went from in the cycles, right? Over and over. Blessing, you know, oppression, deliverance, God comes in. <laughs> and yet then he then they're like, Oh wow, okay, they repented, fine. And then they get blessed and they become complacent, all the whole cycle. Let's talk about your chapter one here. Yeah. Uh, America's blessing. Uh, how did God bless America? And and to become the greatest nation, wealthiest nation in the history of the world. I think he did this because our founding fathers were men who were steeped in the Bible, steeped in the scriptures, uh, who uh, knew God's word and understood the nature of man. They didn't trust even in themselves because they knew that they were sinners. And and this is clear in their writings and everything else. They, they they did not want to create a democracy because they knew that democracies always lead to mobocracy, to the people who will give them the most money or whatever. Yep. They will vote for them. So they created a representative form of government. Most people are not aware of the fact that the kind of government they created was representative in the sense that you vo you had representatives in, in uh, Washington, D.C., but you only had one that you voted in. Senators were not elected by the people. They were elected by the state legislatures. The only person you voted for in the national government directly was a congressman who served for two years. Yeah. You could kick him in, out at the end of two years. With the president, the vote was indirect. The president was selected by electors who were selected by state legislatures. So you voted for people in the state legislature. They selected the electors. And over the years, we've done away with it's that eroded. process yeah, so that now we elect the electors and we've done away with the process for senators by directly electing them. We have moved more toward a pure democracy. And the result is that you can see in recent elections, parties offering to buy votes. Yep. We'll forgive your student loans if you'll vote for us. Uh, we will, you know, it's just money thrown around all over the place trying to get votes. So our founding fathers were men who knew the word. They uh, they knew that they had to protect us against sinners. So they not only had a representative form of government, they had a government with a separation of powers where you had the legislative, the judicial, and, and the the uh, executive uh, yeah. executives mm -hmm. branch, and, and those three were given specific powers and that were separated. So they tried every way in the world to cross that. And again, we are beginning to violate all that. Uh, presidents are signing executive orders and passing laws that only the Congress should pass. So we have moved into a period where we have deserted our wonderful heritage. We had a Christian heritage in this country that was incredible, that went throughout the 19th century. And before that, the 18th century, the 17th century, 90% uh, or more, 95% claimed to be Christians. That doesn't mean they were. Right, it's it a claim. It's a but they claimed thing. they were. Mm -hmm. And Christian values, this nation was founded on Judaic Christian values. And those were our values. Listen, I was born in 1938. When I grew up in the 1940s, Nothing was open on Sunday except the, the uh, drugstores, pharmacies, filling stations, and that was it. No, not even food stores were open. Uh, we we honored the Sabbath. We honored, and and nothing was scheduled. That no sporting events were scheduled yeah, on Sunday. No, no sporting events were scheduled on Wednesday night because everybody went to church on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Ninety-one percent of Americans at that time were still claiming to be Christians, and. I tell young people about what it was like growing up in America. They, they think I dropped in from another planet because not only that, but in school, 
We prayed every day over yeah. the loudspeakers. We read Bible verses. We started every day with Bible verses and prayers. We uh, had uh, celebrations of Easter. We had celebrations of Christmas. We prayed in the classrooms. My senior reader, 1956, when I was a senior in high school, our senior reader in English class was Bible stories with a moral at the end. That's how much we changed. How That's how we? quick we've changed. How Somebody far? sent me a photograph the other day that emphasized how fast our decline has occurred. It was a photograph of New York City in 1956 on the eve of Easter. And all the major buildings in New York City were lit up with a cross. That would be unthinkable. No, absolutely. It was 1956 when the Congress put in God we trust as our motto. It was 1956 when the Congress decided to put one nation under God in our Pledge of Allegiance. Neither one of those could happen today. In fact, there are people in Congress who want to revoke that. Well, and, and what did we have just recently where uh, one of the congressmen gets up and he's praying in the name of some mother goddess? Oh, and, oh yeah. And you're oh, like, yeah. Here, here we are. I mean, here we are. On D-Day, Franklin Roosevelt sat down before the microphones and he prayed a six-minute prayer for God to be with our soldiers. And it was a fascinating prayer, a thrilling, inspiring prayer. And when they built the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C., they were supposed to put that prayer on the wall. And Obama said, no. And they put did not put it up. And there was such a revolt against that that probably it must have been five or six years later, they finally erected a wall with that prayer on it. But that's where we are. Yeah. There are people today who are arguing that we should get rid of our Pledge of Allegiance and replace it with John Lennon's Imagine, which is a song to the glory of atheism. Yep. That's really that's really what it comes down to is you have the blessing of God, and which is God, and then you have humanism coming into play. There we go. So let's talk about – so we, we, there's no doubt the heritage uh, beginning coming from the pilgrims in the 1600s all the way through. But then your second Mondo, chapter – You say there's no doubt. Well, and there is no doubt, <laughs> I mean, if except you have for the fact that the history books that are being uh, yep. used in our educational system today deny the Christian heritage. Yeah. Just deny it. And well, yet it's just overwhelming. Well, it, it goes with your second chapter, rebellion. I yes. think part of that revisionism that you just described is part of the rebellion. They're rewriting history. Yes. They're 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 taking away. I I, I wrote a paper in college on the separation of church and state, and uh, began in 1947 with oh, the, the Emerson decision, uh, the Board versus Emerson, where uh, Justice Hugo took that that phrase, separation of church and state, by by Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptist, totally yeah. turned it upside down uh, of all the previous meaning, and from there, I mean, it was 1947, but it took some time from that moment where that phrase is the most quoted phrase, really, of Jefferson that ever has existed, turned completely upside down. That's I think that was the beginning of the rebellion, which led to the removal of prayer of schools, yes, yes. praying, Bible reading. And I think it's interesting to note that that phrase is in the com in the Russian Constitution, separation of church and state. It's not in our Constitution. No, it's not. No. <laughs> and, and originally, Jefferson was giving co uh, comfort to the Baptists, saying, hey, you guys have nothing to worry about. That's right. The federal government will not intrude on you, cannot <laughs> intrude on you, because of this separation. It's a high wall. And now... It's the other way around. Other way around. So let's talk right. more about that rebellion. Um, in what happened is the humanists in America began to, the, the, uh, in the Humanist Manifesto, which came out at the beginning of the 20th century, 
they made it their goal to take over American education because mm-hmm. they knew if they could take over American education, they could succeed. And basically what a humanist is, is a person who believes in man. He doesn't believe in God. He believes in man. He believes that we man is capable, is, is basically good, violation of the Bible. Yep. He believes that man can be perfected. That uh, that's through social justice and through education that man can build a utopia on earth. The measure of all things. And that yeah. all problems can be solved by man. Who needs God? Yep. And that's where we are today. That's where we are today. They have they have taken over our educational system. And incidentally, I think that's one of the good things that came out of the pandemic is that people had their children taught by Zoom and they began <laughs> to see what they were teaching. Yeah. And they were horrified, horrified by what they were being taught. So there's a great revolt against that today, but uh, the humanists have made tremendous. Uh, uh, just th- stop and think for a moment. Our children are in usually in Sunday school once a week, and they got them every day of the week. Yeah, every day. That's why Christian education is so important. You know, I'll tell you a story because you know I was youth pastor for a long time, and you know, and as I pastored, I I, I always taught youth for for twenty years, and many times, um, you know. A child would, you know, 14, they'd be a rebel or whatever. And uh, the, a parent, many times a parent would come to me and they'd say, I want to I have a meeting with you. I said, sure. And they go, you know, Johnny is is acting up. He's doing this. He's doing that. And and he's he's not spiritually growing. And, and, and we blame you. And I said, hold on a minute. I, I go, let me see if I get this straight. I go, first of all, I get him for one hour a week on Sunday night. And, and maybe if we have a Wednesday night. So that's that's an hour and a half. Uh, an, an hour and a half out of 168 hours a week. You get him the rest of the time. And then secondly, you're sending him to school to get seven hours of indoctrination during the day. So that's 35 hours plus your time. And you want me to do a miracle here to, to totally uh, change every all the, the, the 35 hours of school plus whatever you're teaching him or not. And I have to undo that in an hour every week? I go, come on. Don't you think this is a little bit imbalanced? Well, what's being done to our kids today is just uh, horrible. Uh, going to school and being taught, now are you sure you're a boy? Are you yeah. sure you're a girl? Don't, don't you think that you might be a girl? Or 37 other genders. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. And uh, these kids are so confused, it's just pathetic. Uh, they don't have, you know, i give you an example of the difference in times. In 1956, when I graduated from Waco High School as a senior, we had 450 in the class. On any given day, we had 200 pickup trucks in the parking lot. Every one of them had a gun rack. Every one of them had three. They had a 22 rifle, a deer rifle, and a shotgun. And nobody thought anything about that because we were all, you know, you going a godly to church. Framework. We were yep. taught in mm-hmm. Judeo-Christian values today. Why is there so much school violence? Well, kids don't know any better. Yeah. Dude. This is what they know. Well, it goes back to what John Adams said: is that this constitution, this this set, this situation of governance, is meant for a religious and moral people. Well, if you remove that out, it cannot work. Can't our whole constitutional system is based upon assumption there will be a strong moral and religious base. And there was a uh, a professor at Harvard University who's gone to be with the Lord now who did a little short video time ago, and he talked about that in particular. And he said, "Folks, let me tell you something." The reality is this. There are not enough police in the world to enforce the laws. He said, you've got to have people who want to obey the law. Yeah. 